Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. It's a given then if God made us for himself and has communicated who he is and what he's about and what he desires through creation, through the word and through his son, that we're going to have to connect with him at some point as well. It isn't just God's communicating. He, he desires to commune with us, fellowship with us, intimacy with us. And that's why he's given us prayer and praise. If we ever are to have any kind of meaningful relationship with another person, we need to learn to communicate with them. And it's no different in our relationship with God. As Pastor Sam begins in Matthew 6, 5, he gives us the how and the why of an amazing truth, the truth that we can talk to God through prayer. Prayer and fasting, we're considering these two together. If you noticed I skipped over the Lord's Prayer, don't let that stress you or distress you. We will look at it in its entirety next time. I want to spend an entire service on the Lord's Prayer for oh so many reasons. But we've been looking, and we began last week, looking at... Well, some of those pillars of our Christian experience, and we saw because God is a giver, if we are truly God's people and becoming more like God, we will be giving. So he didn't say if you give, but when you give, when you serve, when you sacrifice. And really, those are all interchangeable in that little first, those first four verses. Now we move to the subjects of prayer and fasting. And before we even address those, let me say this. Among the millions and millions of people in America that profess to believe in God, there is a rather large constituency that, well, while they believe there is a God, their perceptions of him are absolutely unbiblical, distant, uncaring, unconcerned, unable to really meet our needs even if he was aware or concerned about them. Listen, that's not the God of the Bible. The Bible teaches we were created by and for a loving God. And it's a given that if he made us, he is going to desire to communicate with us, to, to commune with us, to draw close to us. And he's going to want us to draw close in response. Now, how has God communicated to us? Well, He's communicated through nature. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, His handiwork. He goes on to say, There's nowhere in all of the world that the testimony of God's creative power and, and the beauty of creation and, and the order and, and all that He's fashioned and made, they're always bearing witness day and night to His existence. But creation tells us that God is and that He's organized and and that he's got wonderful imagination but it doesn't really tell us about his character and so the bible was given to us to communicate god's heart his character his nature and so we're told all scripture is given by inspiration of god and it's profitable God inspired the scriptures the bible it, literally those words mean god breathed profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that we could be fully equipped for every good work. But even with nature and with the Bible, we still needed yet one more revelation to really see our Father 
And that revelation comes in the person of his son, Jesus. God, who in past times spoke to us through the law and through the prophets, he has spoken to us in these last days through his dear son, Hebrews chapter 1, through whom he made the worlds. And it goes on to say he is the express image, the perfect representation of the Father, so much so that Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God's like? Is he caring? Is he compassionate? Is he concerned? You see how Jesus dealt with people and you know, here's our Father. This is our God. Well, it's a given then if God made us for himself and has communicated who he is and what he's about and what he desires through creation, through the word and through his son, that well, we're going to have to connect with him at some point as well. It isn't just God's communicating. He, he desires to commune with us, fellowship with us, intimacy with us. And that's why he's given us prayer and praise. That's why he's given us the opportunity to, to, to praise and prayer and pray and, and fast. And that's really what we're looking at here. Now, I already mentioned it, and I want you to see it. It's a given that we will be praying. There in verse 5, when you pray. There in verse 6, when you pray. There in verse 7, when you pray. And prayer and fasting go so perfectly together. We'll talk a little bit about fasting at the end. We're not going to spend as much time there. But it is important to know that, that fasting is, is a spiritual discipline that, that is given to us for the express purpose of denying ourselves physically and in order to focus in spiritually, to be built up and made more sensitive to the presence of the Lord. So it, it's a physical thing that, that benefits us spiritually. It's not prayer and dieting, by the way. I don't want anyone to misunderstand. I'm not saying lots of you don't need to diet. I'm not saying I don't need to diet. But we don't want to equate fasting with dieting, or well, we'll find out why. That would be hypocritical. That would be pretending to do something for spiritual benefits when really our goal is, is physical appearance and such. Well, back to the whole deal of prayer. The first question we have to ask ourselves is, are we men and women of prayer? Because as believers, it is absolutely foreign to the mind of our Lord that we wouldn't enter into a, a serious, intimate prayer life with him. And we'll see how we're not to pray today. We'll get a few tips on things we can and should do, but mostly this is going to be the how not to lesson. It will be the same with fasting, how not to. And then next time we're going to hone in on, on how to pray and how fasting can benefit us in the midst of our prayer lives. Well, he goes on then in verse 5, as he did in verse 1, to say, When you, and here it's when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. We saw that word means play actors. It's a Greek comes from a Greek word that means to wear a mask, to put on a mask, to, to play a part, to just act out a part. And, and he's saying, make sure that you're not pretending to pray, that, that you're not um, praying for the benefit of those around you or praying that men might acknowledge you or see you. And he really gives us four problems with the prayer of the hypocrite. First of all, he says, as to their passion, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. 
The, the first problem he points out in hypocritical prayer is the passion of the one praying it isn't to be intimate with the Lord or share with that, that, you know, closeness with the Lord, but it's motivated by a desire for the acknowledgement, the recognition, the praise of men. And we need to be careful about that because it's sort of built in that we'd like to be thought of as spiritual, that we'd like to be thought of as sincere. And here's the problem. If you are praying so men will notice you or recognize you or think you're spiritual, you're even less spiritual than you, you know, thought you were. It's carnality. It's immaturity. And, uh, I've been in prayer meetings for over 20 years, some of them very small, some of them very large, and, and, and I've been in situations, and no doubt you, many of you have experienced it, where somebody starts praying and it really sounds more like they're praying to us than to God. They're, they're telling us a story through their prayer. Real prayer to God is focused on God. It's intimacy with God. And he's talking here about public prayer, but I would suggest to you that, that though they had a problem with public prayer, the real problem began in their private prayer life. Because if I learn to be intimate with the Lord privately and regularly, if when I'm in my prayer closet, I'm praising Him and praying to Him, then when I'm praying publicly, well, I'm going to go right back into that mode. It would be like these worship leaders. If they were people that only sang or worshipped when they were leading you, something would be really wrong with them. Real worship leaders worship every day of their life. They worship in the car. They're the nuts that you see. You know, their windows rolled up and they're like talking, you know, and, and you're like, whoa. But, but they, they hear a song and they just got to sing along. Or, or there's just a song in their hearts, worship music, praise music, playing in the house, playing on the radio. And, and so my point is, if praise, if worship, if prayer, if any of these things are done simply for recognition or adoration, well, well then we've missed it entirely. God wants us to be people that, that have a passion for prayer, but the passion is for real intimacy with Him, a real desire to draw close to Him, knowing His promise that He'll draw close to us. The second problem that they had in prayer is their posture. They chose to, to draw attention to themselves by standing in places where, well, to be honest, that's where they would be most noticed. Now, you need to know that the Bible doesn't tell us that God has a specific right posture for praying. Some people think that it's more spiritual to kneel. Some people think it's more spiritual to lay on their face before the Lord. Some people think it's more spiritual to uh, stand in prayer. What God is looking at is our motivation for kneeling or laying on our face or standing. And if it's to draw close to him, he's saying, well done. But if it's to be recognized by others, well, he's going to say, I don't receive that. I'm not getting that. We're not connecting in all of this. Now, you need to know that God isn't hung up on that form. I personally have always struggled with praying on my knees. I get, you know, I get on my knees, I get next to the bed, and the next thing I wake up and I wonder, what was the last thing I was praying? <laughs> I don't do well down there. If I were to lay on my face even worse, I probably wouldn't even get five words out. I'm just a guy that keeps going, and as soon as I'm down, I'm out. And, and so I know many of you are that way. And for that reason, I prefer to pray walking. We used to live by some orchards. I'd walk in those orchards. When I didn't have the orchards, I'd walk wherever I could get. And, and, and it's for me, that's what works. Now, when he's talking about position in prayer or praise or really in anything we're doing, 
He's talking and telling us, take heed, be careful, check your motivation. Why am I doing this? We have a friend that's on the mission field now, and he went here for years. You won't be able to figure out who he is, I promise you, because there might be three or four of you that even knew him. He was here a very long time ago. But he loved to kneel down right in the front. Now, it doesn't bother me that people kneel to pray, but it bothered me that he always did it right in the front because I, I don't know why, but in my heart I thought, you know, if he was back there in the back and I couldn't see him and the worship team couldn't see him and no one else could see him, then the Lord would probably be saying, well, this is cool, but it always seemed odd that he was right there, you know? And, and then I wondered, does he kneel at home when he prays? And this is a real heart check because the way I pray at home should be pretty much the way I deal here, you see? That's I don't pray real long prayers here. I have to start walking around and then I got to get the little, you know, lapel mic and it's a whole different service. But, but my, my, my heart in this is just to say that, that the way I pray at home should be consistent with the way I pray outside of my home. And, and so I shouldn't have like a public thing that's more of a display for others that gets me recognition. It's the same with praise. You know, some people raise their hands and praise. A lot of people do that. We have no instruction, at least from Calvary, saying to do it. There are places, though, where God says lift holy hands up, you know. So it's, it's biblical to lift your hands and praise. But then God's checking the heart. He's checking the motivation. Why are you lifting your hands? And there's a second thing to check, and that's, did I put on my deodorant, you see? Because we're in tight sitting here. The chairs are close together. And if you're raising your hands and people are moving away or holding their nose... Well, then you're, you're, you're maybe sincere yourself, but you're messing with their ability to worship. <laughs> and so we want to be conscious, I guess what I'm saying. We want to be conscious of one another, but while we're conscious that we're in a group, we also want to be focusing on the Lord. We don't want to be overly worried about how am I being perceived by people around me? Because that's hypocrisy. That's, that's not focusing on the Lord in our praise or our prayer. That's focusing on ourselves and on our fellow man. The third problem we see with them was the place they chose. And see, this, perf- this is perfectly consistent. Their passion was for public praise to be recognized and acknowledged. Their posture made that easy. Standing in the synagogue, standing on the street corners. And for the Jew, the Orthodox Jew, they prayed three times a day at nine, noon, and at three o'clock. And so they had these set times of prayer. And I think that they would, if they were for real, wherever they were when the time came, they would take time aside and say, okay, I'm going to spend time with you in prayer and in praise. But, but if they were looking for adoration, recognition, a pat on the back, a, to be thought more spiritual than they were, well, they'd time it so that they happen to be on a busy street corner right at the hour of prayer, and they'd say, oh, time to pray. And, and then lift the hands and shut the eyes and, and pray loud. Sometimes I struggle with prayer in restaurants. Not that I don't think we should do it. I think we should do it. But I've been with two kinds of people. Well, more than two, but two that sometimes are troubling. And one is the one that's, that prays so quiet that you can't hear them, so you don't know if they're you know, praying, Lord, break their teeth in their mouth or you know, whatever. And it's like, you don't want to say amen because you don't know what they prayed. And the other one is the one that feels like they got to pray so loud, the whole restaurant is like, wow, you know, what's that about? And, and, and so here's the thing. You want to pray. You want to thank the Lord for the food. The Bible says the food itself is sanctified by prayer. That could be a good thing, depending on where you're eating. And so you want to pray. But when you choose a place to pray, you're choosing it because, well, this will be best for getting with the Lord and, and 
petitioning the Lord or praising the Lord. So their passion, their posture, their place, and then the promise. He, he says, assuredly, I say, if your motivation, as theirs was, is to be seen of men, he says, I surely I say to you, they have their reward. He, he's basically saying the goal's achieved. Why? Because we as men can't really see the heart as God does. We don't know the motivation. I'm not saying that, you know, somebody who gets on their knees or stands up or does anything, that there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying you need to check your own heart. And I don't want, I'm not here to judge and we shouldn't be judging one another. But, but he's saying, if your motivation is to be seen of men, well, you got what you wanted. People saw you. And if they think, well, look how spiritual he or she is, well, that's what you wanted, isn't it? And if they if they thought, well, it's kind of strange, aren't they? Well, it may not be what you were intending, but either way, people are going to make a decision based on outward appearance, not as God does, as we saw last time on looking at the heart. In contrast, and, and I love this, it says, but you. I always want to be the but you person, you see. Because it's a contrast to those who are playing, hip, praying and praising and fasting hypocritically. They're doing it with wrong motivation, and so it's unacceptable to the Lord. So when you come across something that doesn't describe you or shouldn't describe you, and, and listen, we're just working our way through the scripture. So if you think, I'm saying this is you, I'm not. I would hope that it doesn't apply to anyone here, that God has just drawn us together so we could know this and we could share it with the hypocrites after we leave. But just in case, just in case it applies to any of us, we want to make sure we deal with it before we leave. Well, their promise was their goal would be achieved in contrast. But you, when you pray, when you pray, do you see prayer as a, a, a you know, a, a discipline, a duty? Uh, do you see fasting that way? If you're involved in prayer and fasting, it's a discipline and a duty. For many of us, if you're a structured, organized, got to have it all mapped out and timed out and worked out type of person, you can actually begin praying because your heart is just to be intimate with the Lord. And then after a while, it's an obligation. Okay, it's my time to pray. Man, prayer, fasting, it, praise of God, it, it should be... It should be a delight. It's an opportunity. It's not a duty and an obligation. It's a chance to draw near to the one who says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So when we pray, he instructs us, go into your room. And when you've shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In contrast to the hypocrite, he says, you go pray in your room. Now you need to know, that this isn't limiting us to private prayer in our room. In fact, Isaac prayed out in a field. Jesus himself, who tells us here to pray in our room, prayed on the top of a mountain. Peter later prays on the top of a rooftop. What's the point? Wherever you can get away from people and get alone with the Lord, that would be a good place to pray. And so he's saying, pray in your room. Well, if you live in a small apartment with a lot of people, your room may not work. And maybe pray in your car. And when you shut the door and make sure the radio's off, make sure you drive out of the driveway and park somewhere where people aren't going to see it, then have some time with the Lord. Take some time for serious praise and prayer. And so when he talks about your room, he's saying we need to find a place where we can really be private with the Lord where we won't be distracted. And that's the idea of shutting the door, to minimize distractions, to minimize disruptions. Why? Because we're bombarded constantly 
with all sorts of images and sounds, and it's just difficult to focus in. By the way, in a very practical way, because we're all into multitasking now, you know, it's a new world and we're new people and we can do three things at once. So if you're one of those that think you can watch TV and and pay your bills on your computer as you have your prayer time with the Lord, (laughs) let me suggest to you, no, that won't work. You can't do that any more than you can read the paper and watch the news while you talk to your wife or listen to your wife. I mean, let's face it, we're not talking back. We're just grunting. Mm, ah, mm Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. You know, you want some slop? Sure. You know, it, it's like we don't even hear it. We don't care. And, and so my point is this. If in our communication in our marriages, well, you get more of that from Bob tonight. But in our communication in our marriages, if if we're not really paying attention, if we're not really focusing in, if we're not getting eye to eye and face to face and heart to heart. Well, we're missing something. And, and when it comes to, to, as we saw last time, giving, that's about our relationship to people. This is about our relationship to God directly. So if we're not really honing in on the fact that God's listening and he's there and, and he's desiring, and this is the most amazing thing of all, he actually wants to be intimate with us. He wants that close connection with each and every one of us. That's mind-blowing to consider that that the God who is so powerful, he could just say, let there be, and all this appeared. He would want to have personal, private, quiet time with me. And what's he saying? Go into the quiet place, shut the door, lock the world out, turn the radio off, turn the TV off, shut off the cell phone, turn off the pager, let's just get alone. And, And that's what the Lord is directing us to do here. Well... When you pray then, he says, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father. You know, a lot of people who believe in God, when they actually approach God, it's all about, hey, you know, uh, the man upstairs. I-, I don't know if they pray, oh, hey, old man upstairs. But but if your concept is he's the man upstairs, or he's distant, or he's not really touchable, or listen... He says to pray our Father. We're going to look at that in detail and depth. But even here, he says pray to your Father. He wants you to know it's relational. It's not just informational. We're not just passing needs and and notes and, hey, I got this going, Lord, if you could help out over here. And, And he talks more about that in a moment. But he says pray to your Father, commune with him, communicate with him. And then something I have trouble doing, so I think maybe some of you might have trouble doing, and that's just waiting on him. You see, if you're going to have an effective prayer life, you need to understand that prayer is a two-way communication. God's intention is that we would speak to him and then we would hear from him. Now, I don't personally hear voices, and my friends that are psychologists and such, they say that's a good thing. And, uh, And so I'm not troubled by the fact that I don't hear voices. But And I have noticed that some people say, well, God speaks to me audibly. And, and hey, he may do that. But I have noticed, and I'm not picking on you, but I, I have noticed that most people who tell me that, they're fairly strange, you know, and, and, and they just are. You know, they're, they come up and they said, the Lord spoke to me. And I'm like, truly? He said audibly. And I'm like, whoa. And they're like, he has a word for you. I'm like, what is it? And then they give me this bizarre, obscure thing. I'm like, what does that mean? They go, I have no clue. And, and I'm like, well, I don't have any clue. And ordinarily, when God speaks to me, he speaks in a way that I can understand him. Why? Isn't that the whole point of communication? To make your heart known, to make yourself known, to, to make your will or your desires known, to bless that person, to draw them close. 
And so communication that isn't communicating anything, it's not from the Lord. I had someone come up and ask me, I, I can't remember when it was. It was the other, other night after Wednesday night or Friday night after some night. And the guy said, can the Lord speak to someone just once? Have him prophesy to you? And I said, yeah, I think so. I mean, it happened. Saul was anointed just once to prophesy. And they said, hey, Saul's among the prophets. Only happened once. I said, that can happen. And they said, well, somebody said something to me a long time ago, and I've been trying to figure it out for, you know, like 10 years. I'm like, that's not the Lord. When the Lord speaks, you know. You know it's him. And you know what he's trying to say. And, and, and so the, the thing is, is if you're going to come to the Lord in prayer, and, and my prayer is that we'll be more serious about prayer as a result of our time and study. See, we can learn about prayer, but that's not prayer. We can study and affirm and all that stuff and, and make sense of it, but we got to actually pray to have a prayer life. Hebrews 4.16 gives us a wonderful invitation. There we find an offer to come boldly before the throne of God to find mercy and grace in our times of need. And it is through prayer that we do this. But there is even more given to us by Jesus. Through him, we can also come before the throne of God to find guidance, wisdom, and fellowship with our Lord. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.